I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, everybody. This is the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is Joe Perez. He's back from the trip he took. Which was unfortunate for everybody because we missed last week's show, but we're here now. But I'm Joe, safe. How are you doing? I'm good. Yes. It was. It was. I, I wish would rather have been here, and I missed everybody. But I'm here. I'm back. Don't worry. So yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about. Well, I mean, some of it's really interesting, and some of it's just me being weird. So yeah, we'll get onto it. First up, uh, Burning Crusade Classic is like less than two weeks away at this point. Uh, one of the things that we can talk about is the fact that the daily dungeon limit that was introduced into WoW Classic, because people were just chain-running dungeons and farming for various drops, that got put in last year to prevent that from happening. Uh, in Burning Crusade Classic, on Burning Crusade Classic servers, that's being removed. And the reason they're removing it is because they feel like people are going to be trying to get to level. There, there's a lot of people who are going to start new blood, blood elves and new Draenei uh, for the classes that they only they can play in their factions. Uh, in, in Burning Crusade Classic, I don't know if guys know this, um, the only Horde Paladins are Blood Elves, and the only Alliance Shaman are Draenei. Yep. And that continued for years. I don't know when Torin got Paladins. I think at the end of Wrath of the Lich King? Uh, I, mm, might have been Kata. I think they got. I think they got them in Kata, but the quest line to introduce them was at the end of Wrath. Yeah, of the the one the the individual. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Was introduced at the end of Wrath. Yeah, the one that also gave Torn priests. Yes. Yeah. So that's. But then they became playable in Kata in Kata pre patch. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so basically. If you want to play a Paladin Horde side, you have to start at level one on the on the Burning Crusade Classic servers. And obviously, they, they don't want people to feel constrained. And so if people decide they want to level through dungeons, they want people to be able to level through dungeons. Which is hard to do if you have a limit of four you can run in a day and then you're locked out. 
know, that's not something they want to do. So they're getting rid of it. I think this is a perfectly fine move. It's not even a move away from original Burning Crusade. As far as I remember, I don't think there was a strict dungeon limit. I think there might have been a limit on uh, specific kinds of dungeons, like her- you know, like heroics and stuff. There was a heroic limit. There wasn't a regular dungeon limit. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't have no problem with them taking this out. Uh, but I have also have no problem with BCC's entire philosophy of, yeah, we're going to make changes. Yeah, yeah. we're going to do stuff. Because, I mean, that's like I said at the point. If, if the point of WoW Classic was to be a museum piece, it failed. Because you can't play it the way it played the first time. Because you're still playing it in, like, 2021. The way- so I'm totally okay with them changing it. I was going to say, the way I view it is, is kind of like when, way back when, when the old movie sets used to get built and then abandoned, but then they got turned into like, um, the, the Hollywood like tour things where you could actually go and still see some of the sets that were put up for the old West, like the fake, the fake town fronts and things like that. That's kind of what it is to me. It's this thing that it, 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 it will never be exactly as it was in its original context, but instead, you can still go and see the visuals of it uh, and kind of get an idea of it. And I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't I don't think that the classic system should ever be a museum. I think it's perfectly fine making changes for the better uh, or doing things like this. Like, this is a really good uh, change. I think this is fantastic for players, especially for those that are looking to level through dungeons or leveling with their friends or or whatever the case is, or looking for that specific set of gear or looking for that specific item to complete whatever they're looking for look-wise or gear-wise or whatever, I'm fine with it. And I think this is a really good example of, like you said, this is a good change. This is a good quality of life improvement that, honestly, if they had told us they were going to do this back in Burning Crusade era like where you didn't have a daily limit on heroics or something like that, I would have been absolutely ecstatic and rolling with like giddiness. So I'm, I'm happy players get to have that. I think it's a good choice on their part. Oh, you're done. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't realize you were done. <laughs> like, Oh, silence. Why should Sorry. be speaking? Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, another thing to talk about is, Overwatch is turning five. Like the celebration started today as we're recording. Oh my this. god, it's been five years already. Yep. Oi. And I, I want to talk about that because they have new skins and stuff we can go look at. But I also want to talk about the fact that we know that on May twentieth there's supposed to be some kind of big news drop, and we have no idea what it's going to be. We don't know what news they're going to drop. It's supposed to be about Overwatch two. Uh, that's basically all we really know right now. And that to me is like it's it's. I don't want to beat around the bush here. I honestly, we've talked about Jeff Kaplan leaving already mm-hmm. and I don't feel like Jeff Kaplan leaving should be like the death knell of overwatch or anything like that. But I do feel like it's a pretty big change. And I do feel like it's interesting to see what they're going to tell us about the game. Now that they've, they're basically on a different footing. Uh, I, I have no idea what they've been doing for the past year and a half with Overwatch. They've been no idea. Yeah, they've, they've been, been pretty doing. radio silent about that, haven't they? Yeah, and it's not like I don't say that they don't owe us updates. I just think it's interesting that we haven't gotten any. Uh, yeah. it's, it's it's interesting to think about the game this big that's just kind of been, you know, I've been hearing more about Diablo 4 
than I have about Overwatch too. And that's really interesting to me. But the What's Next live stream is coming up on Twitch, on the official Twitch and YouTube channels. And that'll be on the, the 20th. So as we're recording this, it will be probably tomorrow when you finally hear this. Maybe today when you hear this. Uh, so of course, people who are in the live chat can, are hearing me now. So two days from now for you guys. But I, what do you think they're going to tell us? Like, what do you think that they have to reveal? Like, what do you think the what's next thing is going to be? Is it going to be a roadmap? Do you think it's going to be anything substantial? So that's a really good question. I think we're at the stage where I would expect to start seeing a bit of a roadmap. Not a concrete one, but like target areas. Like, here's what we're, here's the idea. Here's where we think we're going to be in six months or whatever the case is. I don't expect a release date. I've heard some people speculating that we're going to get a release date. And I'm like, why? They haven't even, we've seen nothing about the game so far. Um, the other thing that I would suspect we're probably going to get a little bit more about is probably how the story part of it is going to play because it's a campaign game, right? That's what it was originally billed as is Overwatch 2 is going to be campaign oriented and co-op or, or whatever the case is. I forgot what the exact verbiage and, but that's all they said. They didn't really say anything else about it. So I would expect that if that's still the case, unless that has changed and they're just going to make another bigger, better overwatch, uh, purely PVP for s some reason, which, you know, it's their game. They could do it if they want to, but I would expect to see maybe like, here's how you could expect to see, some of these missions, some of this campaign, some of this story go and maybe start to get an idea of the story that they want to tell, because we still don't know that either. They haven't said, you know, if it's going to be a continuation from where things left off canonically with all the uh, with all the, the comics and uh, the shorts and everything like that. So I I think those are the two most likely things, a loose roadmap and maybe a this is how story is going to be presented. What about you? What do you think? I was thinking about that a lot. I mean, one of the things I keep wondering is, can they get away with, like, how vague can they be? Um, I think there's going to be a certain amount of vagueness here. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff they're going to say they're not ready to talk about. Sure, there has I, to be, right? I do think they're going to have to do some some talk about what the competitive future for Overwatch is going to be when it becomes Overwatch 2. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be splitting them into an Overwatch League for the original Overwatch? Is Overwatch 2 going to feel more like a separate game or an expansion? They've never told us that. They've never come out and said, is this going to be like an expansion pack to original Overwatch? Or is it going to be a completely new game that you go and play? They've, they've hinted at it being more like an expansion, but they haven't. There's been no concrete, you know, this is what it will be. This is how it will work. And I think that that's something that we really need to actually start telling people. It, it is important that people know, is this going to require me to learn an entirely new game? Yeah. Uh, or is it going to be the same game, just with more stuff? And, and that to me is, I, I think they should go with the expansion route. I think it should feel like an expansion. It should feel like more of the same. But I don't know what it's going to be. So, and that is something I think they should be talking about. Red and Chad saying that they he, that they doubt that there will be a lot of Overwatch One support. That's the problem though. We don't know because, like Matt's pointing out, they haven't said a statement of whether this is an expansion or a completely separate game. 
Um, and having a completely separate game where Overwatch competitiveness for the PvP is so prevalent almost feels weird, especially if they introduce new characters. But having something where the two are like inadvertently linked would be fine. Um, now, Corey is pointing out in chat that they said that anyone who had Overwatch 1 would still be able to play online with Overwatch 2 people for PvP content. That doesn't mean it's not a separate game. It just Correct. means it has cross compatibility, which is would still be an incredible undertaking. Frankly, I think it would be easier to make it still be the same game than to have it be different in that way. But I don't know. And that is yeah. something I think I would like them to just come out and say, this is what it's going to be. That's that's my main hope for this thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely with you on that one too. Um I like Overwatch. I would like to see more. I, I try. I always gonna say more. I always want more, but I would like to see Overwatch one not get completely abandoned. Uh, you know, like if Overwatch two basically comes and brings in more PVE content for Overwatch, and that's the big new change, and it's it's a different game in that it actually has a story mode like Titanfall two did. Yeah, see, this is the thing. Titanfall two was an amazing game. I would agree. And it was an amazing single-player game that also happened to be an amazing multiplayer game. And those two things were... I think the problem Titanfall 2 had was that those two things were so separate that many people didn't know Titanfall 2 had an amazing story thing. Uh, it's getting it's weird that my Titanfall 2 keeps coming back, too. Like People every so often are like, oh, Titanfall 2 is really good. Um, I think that's because of Apex Legends. But I, w I would like it if Overwatch 2 could have a Titanfall 2-style really good single-player experience that was integrated so that people knew about it and, and still had that really good multiplayer that they wanted. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out soon enough, right? So. Yep. But uh, we should also talk about the various skins we're getting. There I think about eight. I think Corey did the... Uh, the gallery for this um so correct you know since you're over there Corey, uh there's the funky baptiste which is i mean uh, it's it's a funky baptiste it's baptiste looking like he's in a 1970s movie i uh, straight up had that that shirt in the 90s no joke yeah. yes uh the black cat sombra it doesn't I mean, it's it's a unique costume. I, I don't. It actually looks like somebody from like a the Marvel anime line to be up it, front. That's what it looks like to me. It's straight. It looks like it's an homage to Catwoman, but it looks like it's the Nolan Catwoman. Um, there's junk food junk rat, which I mean, he's got like frosting for hair and and an ice cream cone on his head. It looks like uh, he's drinking a shake and. Yeah, he's got candy color swirls all over him. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Um, Venus Moira. I'm not sure what's going on with this, but it's a really nice color. It, it looks very much like you could expect her to be dropping her, like, you know, 70s prog rock album at any moment. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, turn to Gladiator Doomfist. Um, just straight up looks like he kills people I, for sport. Uh, yeah, I straight up don't like that skin personally. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's I can see why they made it, but it's a little uh, weird to me. But yeah, Cybermedic Anna, I straight up want to I'm going to try and do in my cyberpunk game because, yeah, this is actually perfect. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. I like the digital, um, the, the, the digitized cloak 
that uh, or jacket yeah. she has, which I think is a cool touch. The Bird of Paradise Echo, which is yeah, much like the actual Bird of Paradise, extremely colorful. Um, not what I was expecting for Echo to be up front. Very very true. Uh, an eight ball wrecking ball, which is I love his little vest. I want he's so, he's got a little vest on. I love it. Yeah, he he is he's classing up the joint in his his little outfit. Uh, <laughs> it's also like I've seen some pictures of Heroes of the Storm characters getting Overwatch skins at the same time. Um, one of them was I think Joanna the 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 um, Crusader from Diablo that's in her in Heroes is getting a Reinhardt skin, which I thought was really cool. And I thought we should talk about that because you know I like talking about things I think are cool. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's there's a, a bunch of them, aren't there? Let's see. This one was new. Uh, I haven't seen it before now. Uh, what's your name's getting the the reapers? Oh, um, why can't I think of Vala is getting the reaper skin? I think that's really cool. cool. Uh, but uh, at this point, we're gonna move on to some of these emails, and um, we don't actually have that many emails. So, guys, uh, seriously, in the future. Uh, we're probably going to like turn to you in the chat because we are. This is relatively short for for this show. I usually go with six or seven questions, but we're down to four. If you do have a question for this show, please seriously ask it. Uh, we, we take questions at the Patreon uh, Q and Podcast Questions channel or the Q Questions channel over on the uh, Blizzard Watch Discord. So please make use of those. And you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show. Or you can be vague, and then I just assume everything is for this show and grab it as soon as I can, because, like I said, we got four questions this week. Uh, yeah, then that, that means we don't have a lot to talk about. But, I mean, on the other hand, I've seen Joe and us, Joe and I barely get through two questions in a podcast, so we'll see what happens. One, one will never truly know. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe? Absolutely. Uh, our first one comes from Dalton. Uh, I want to know about the plant. Specifically, why are there plants in the Shadowlands? Animals? Is everything there a dead spirit? Do trees go to the Shadowlands when they die? Uh, I, that's a good question, Dalton. Uh, I think at least some of the animals we found out are the spirits of people. Like when you go to Ardenweald, all the various animals are people. Like, they are people who died and went to the Shadowlands and decided, I'd like to be a squirrel. Um, so that's at least some of the case. I think the animals in, say, uh, what's the name of it? Bastion. Sorry. The animals in Bastion just seem to be anima constructs. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just anima things that you can kill for anima. Uh, that seems to be what they are. I, I don't know why they're there. I've never understood why there's a faux ecosystem there. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Audie Luke points out that there's a quest in Bastion where we send a puppy to Shadowlands. I I don't know if that's accurate or not, and if it is, that's sad. You never, I mean, that it's a puppy, puppy, all all good dogs, all good dogs. Um, well, you you don't like you know not go to the Shadowlands, <laughs> go to the Maw. You want to send a puppy to the Maw? What's wrong with you, Joe? Uh, grumble, grumble. Um, I think it is just the idea of creating a faux ecosystem in general for the people that wind up living in the Shadowlands. Um, mostly because if everything was purely just anima and nothing else, 
I have a feeling those that remember their mortal lives would probably go a little bit crazy long term. Um, I think. I also wonder if it's related to the, the thing we've talked about before about how each Shadowland mirrors the person that, that yeah. seems to. Um, the various animals seem like manifestations of aspects of the various lords of those shadow realms. The Arbiter likes order and likes things to be, you know, in a certain way. And thus you get animals that fit into her aesthetic and fit into her worldview. While if you go to Maldraxxus, it's like you're living on a giant corpse and everything kind of comes festering out of that corpse. So... I mean, that might be related. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? So, I mean, the, the other thing that I've, I've been thinking about this, again, is I think there's a certain aspect to it of, I think that there has to be somewhat of an ecosystem to sort of tend to the realm. And I think that it's almost like a manifestation, like you said, of the individual aspects. But let's use Revendreth as an example. And I think Revendreth might be the perfect example for this. Revendreth has sort of this like society where there are different castes and, and everything else, but it's very old world, like old real world where, oh, you're a noble, you're going to go fox hunting, that that old uh, sort of trope, right? Well, a lot of their animals are based around sort of that. They're either used for the hunt or are hunted. And it fits in with that sort of mindset. And it gives the, the denizens of that realm... I don't want to say like almost a sense of normalcy, but it's like an anchor point, right? The ones in Bastion, uh, if you look at it, you, you point out that they're animal constructs that uh, revolve around order. Your introduction to uh, several of it, I'll use the phalanx uh, quests, like that whole thing. The uh, I can't remember what the, the organic phalanx are called. I forgot the name of the creatures. But it's about, there, there's a whole thing where they're taming animals. They're, they're bringing order to them. And that sort of like fits right in with that as that whole aesthetic with the Ardenweld. It's all about being that wild free cycle of life where if you notice there are things that eat other things pretty regularly in Ardenweld uh, and convert it back into something else before it goes around. Uh, it just sort of feeds into the whole concept of the zone. It's, it's almost like it's the manifestation of the essence of the zone itself uh, as an anchor point for basically whatever the realm society to, to, to go off of. Uh, I don't know anything more than that, but I mean, everything is definitely anima. We know that for a fact. Uh, the, the plants that you harvest, they're made out of anima. Uh, the plants that are actually like walking around like hydras are also anima. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's just an artifact of what, what Shadowlands is set up to do and be. If that makes sense. The Larian, by the way. Larian, thank you. So, yeah, I don't think I have anything else really to add on that one, do you? I do, I do find it interesting to think about the concept of plant ghosts. Um, I don't know that that's... I don't think that that's what's going on here. I don't think that, like, a tree dies in the mortal world and then, you know the tree gets judged by a carrion and sent to like, Oh, this tree, this was a evil tree. It should, it should be in like, you know, this tree enjoyed conquest. This tree <laughs> in Maldraxxus. I don't think that that happens, but I do find myself wondering if the trees in Ardenweald and Bastion are like echoes of living things. Like if they provide, if the, the 
concept of living anim- living plants provides a scaffolding for them in some way. I don't know. I, I do. I do actually now. I kind of want to see the, the tree that's really in the conquest in battle. <laughs> it's judged and sent to Maldraxxus. You are a very evil tree. Everybody remembers your dungeon and nobody likes it. You tree go straight to the power. maw tree. This tree is a power to be reckoned with. Um kind of expect you'd see Teldrassil somewhere if that was the case. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to say it because I feel bad every time I bring it up. Sorry, Night Elf. Yeah, as somebody who plays mostly a Night Elf, I, I definitely am always kind of aware of that thing. But, yeah, I, I just I, I do like the idea of, you know, this this tree is just evil. Or, <laughs> this tree is really into war. <laughs> know what to do, man. This tree just likes to fight. I mean, it can't. Because it's a tree, but if it could, now it can. Now it gets turned into like a into a spider lady. That would be even funnier if like some people in the shadow, like you know, we we meet various Kyrian and the the, the chosen and Maldraxxus. And what if like that that big spider looking monster used to be a tree, <laughs> you know? But it it was judged to have a warrior spirit. Now it's a warrior in Maldraxxus. Well, I got nothing. Who knows? All right. But more more trees, more living trees in, in Shadowlands is what I'm hearing. Uh, our next one from Terrain Zendalari Beastmaster on Emerald Dream. Longtime fan of the show and the site. Uh, if I had accolades to give you to get somebody for the discussion, I guess I'll jump right in. Jumping in failed, so I'm actually rewriting and condensed thoughts more more easily presented. Uh, I know classes are cluttered, and everyone wants something different. Glances at gunslingers and rune mages. But what I really want is a shadow hunter. Vol'jin is my second favorite WoW character, Karen being number one, and the end of his story should result in unlocking shadow hunters as a hero class. With tight restrictions on demon hunters, I'm okay with leaving this troll specific. We can give humans rune mages, and they can play identical. I'm also okay with with uh, progress. Vol'jin as a Loa could champion anyone who has helped his uh, revolution or Ardenweld, so long as they're devoted. Becoming a Loa, I'm thinking uh, two specs to separate their identity from shamans. Mid-range melee and a buff expert. I'd love this. Uh, lore implications be damned. Except, not really. Could you roast this idea, please? Well, if you're asking for a roast, I'll let Matt go. The idea of shadow hunters. I don't know if it <laughs> necessarily be done the way you're saying to do them. I mean, there's lots of ways you could bring them in. Um, I think with the shadow hunters, honestly, I would be okay with them being troll only. Mm-hmm. And I, I do honestly. I am leery to introduce another class. Let me put up front. I don't necessarily think we need a new class. I think you could almost do this as a spec. Like you could maybe do this as a hunter spec. Um. But I'm not uh, kind of similar to how, you know, rogues went and got rid of combat and, and became outlaw. I think you could take, say, um, survival or, you know, and make it, you know, shadow hunter instead. And I know there are survival hunters out there right now who are like absolutely livid with me. This is just an example. And it wouldn't necessarily even have to be hunters that got the shadow hunter. I mean, it could be a different class entirely. But I do find myself wondering if we really need a whole class with two specs to do this, or if you can do everything you want from a shadow hunter with one spec. Uh, but lower wise, I don't really have any problem with shadow hunters existing. They 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 do exist. They exist in the in the game's lore. They always have. They've mm-hmm. been in various versions of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. I thought they were in Warcraft three. 
Yep, I mean, no. there's a whole thing about it in the Vulgen book. Like, read the Vulgen book. Lore-wise, I don't really have a problem with this. I don't see why we can't have them in terms of lore. Um, if you wanted to broaden it out to other classes, I mean, to other races, I mean, there's various ways you could do that. One is, the, the one you suggested is not actually terrible. Uh, the fact that Loa, you know, as a Loa, Vol'jin could, you know, champion anybody that had helped his revolution or Ardenweald. Yeah, that's one possibility. Another would be, you know, he it could be, I, I'm leery to suggest it be Horde only, because, you know, again, there's that whole thing of having a class B in one faction and not the other has always been kind of troublesome for, for World of Warcraft. Uh, it definitely didn't work for Shamans and Paladins. And I'm leery of doing the thing where you say have a rune mage, but it works exactly the same. I don't think that works because rune mages and shadow hunters aren't the same. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know that you want to go introducing two classes and have them play different. And I don't know if you want to try and make rune, you know, rune mages make sense with the exact same abilities as shadow hunters. I feel like that would feel really strange. But nope. I don't. Like I, I there are ways around these problems. If they if Blizzard wanted to do it, they could certainly design a Shadow Hunter that would work. And there's various ways they could do it. And I would not be lore would not be my problem. I would have no problem with that as a story element. I would think it would be kind of cool as a story element. I just don't know how they would do it mechanically. And that's the that's where my concern would be for this. Not not with the lore. I mean. They're, they're, they're as established as Dark Rangers, and we've got Dark Rangers in the game right now. I mean, granted, they're not playable, and that's the other thing. Do you do that? Like, do you go and look for every, you know, you could definitely say, okay, for Undead, you get the, you know, we, for Trolls, you get the Shadowhunter. For Undead, you get the Dark Ranger. For Night Elves, you get, like, something else, but it's it's still based on shadows because they they blend in the shadows. It's something they do. Uh, you could definitely have it be something that you have in various other groups. And the differences are cosmetic. It's just I don't think that the rune mage works for that. But I think you could definitely have it like the dwarves could have a version of it that's like the, you know, the night rifleman or something. Uh, I don't know if you want to call them the night rifleman. That sounds kind of dumb. But you get what I'm saying. There are ways to do this, and there's ways to make it not just be trolls without stealing the flavor of the Loa and, and all that from the trolls. I think you definitely want the Shadowhunter to feel like a troll class. But we've seen humans use troll magic. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. Like, I mean, it's, there's another possibility as well, too, right? If Shadowhunters were to be brought to trolls, why couldn't it also be Kul Tiran? There's a lot of overlap there in, in the way they worship. There's a lot of overlap potentially in the way they they hunt, and we've already seen that there there's you know some shared background between the island nations there uh, in some capacity. You don't live that close, fight that close uh, for all that long, and not have some uh, exchange in some capacity. Also, I was thinking about um, the the Stranglethorn quest back in in Vanilla. Mm-hmm. You find out that the 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 Heart of Darkness parody thing. You find out that they're they're learning. They've been literally learning troll magic. Yep. And what's really weird is some of the troll magic is very definitely paladin like. So you could definitely justify having the Shadow Hunter be something that you know other people have learned. 
Uh, there's there's a lot of possibilities here lore wise. I don't think there's anything. Again, strictly speaking about the lore here, I don't think there's anything particularly roastable about this idea. I think it is a perfectly valid one. Yeah, and I think lore wise, this would probably be one of the easier classes if it were ever to be introduced to like just slide into the game. As a matter of fact, this is the one class that I am surprised isn't a playable class because it was so core to the Warcraft three identity. And we already have basically all the other hero classes from Warcraft three. We have mages, which they have all of their archmage abilities minus mass teleport. God, I miss mass teleport. Um, we have monks, we have death knights, we have paladins, we have um, demon hunters. This is basically the one hero class from Warcraft 3 that doesn't have a presence. And I'm very surprised by that, especially with during the time where everything was very troll centric. And let's be honest, for a while, there was a whole lot of troll troll centric uh, game stuff. Um, and I would have thought that they would have introduced it by now. And I thought it would be cool, but I have a feeling it all boils down to not lore, but mechanics, as Matt pointed out, because it's a balancing problem. Anytime you introduce another class, you have to worry about the balance, not just of that class, but of everything else that operates in the same sort of neighborhood or zip code of that class. And we've seen this throughout the years. Death Knights were introduced they became the absolute 100% hands-down best tank, period, when they were fresh, brand new, right out of the right out of the vat. Um, that had to be tuned down, but it had a divine impact, not just on, you know, tanks, but how tanks played, because now everything else had to be rebalanced. It wasn't just them getting nerfed. It was now, let's buff druids this way. Let's move druids closer in this direction. Let's move warriors closer in this direction. Um, it changes your your game design for all of those other classes. Uh, monks did the same thing for healers. Um, monk healing, when it was first introduced, and I even think monk tanking to a certain degree, was just leaps and bounds above everything else. Um, it, it, yeah, I think even DPS, like, uh, yeah, uh, Garboyer in chat has uh, pointed out that it, it really hurt rogues. It's because that hero class, it's not that it's overtuned, but it's when it's tuned, you have to consider every other class around it, right? And I think that becomes the problem. And yes, they have a lot of years of experience at it. They have plenty of experience balancing everything very, very quickly uh, and agile-like. But I I think that might be the only thing holding them back from it. And again, I think there's plenty of justification why both sides could have shadow hunters. Vol'jin doesn't need to discriminate anymore. Alliance canonically have helped Vol'jin as well as uh, as Horde at this point. So I don't know. Or you could you justify it very similar to how we justify troll druids. Yeah, the it does not have to be getting it from Vol'jin. It's true. They literally just figure it out. They've they've deciphered. Get some gnomes in here, and they decipher it in five minutes. They figured out how to be priests just by being smart. They could be. Oh, this is how you do this shadow hunter thing. Um, like I said, we've already got humans using troll magic in Stranglethorn. We've got humans deciphering old troll secrets and using them. So there's no reason you couldn't just have like the the shadow hunterness gets reverse engineered if you wanted to do that. But you could also have it be from Vol'jin if you wanted. Uh, maybe it's just he doesn't give it 
he's not giving it based on horde or alliance. He's giving it based on people who will try and you know Do preserve good. things, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever. It just there is there is reasonable lore for it. I I don't see a problem there. Um, I really think that. It's basically been they haven't found a place where they wanted to do it, and they they decided on druids for the Zandalari and Kulterans rather than say Shadowhunters, and I think that was probably a decent choice just because it was a more it didn't add a new class. I think adding a new class is a big deal at this point. There's there's a lot of classes. We just added Demon Hunters and Legion, and they've shaken things up to the point where like mythic mythic dungeons the for a while demon hunters were absolutely ruling the roost as tanks in those they were just the number the only tank choice really to the point where it was like they were like twice as numerous as the next most numerous tanking class which i think was probably druids or paladins uh so yeah it's it is something to consider even if you just brought in a class with two specs and it's just dps and something like if it's just dps and dps just different kinds of dps it's still going to cause rebalancing issues. So, yeah, I think there is a certain amount of caution there. I'm not saying they won't do it. I'm, I'm sure that if they got an idea they really loved and they felt like it worked really well with the idea that they were they were doing for the expansion, that we could see another class. But I'm not expecting one, at least in the next expansion. I don't really expect a new class, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, and I would tend to agree. I think that's also why they started doing allied races versus adding more classes. Allied races don't add new classes, and the racials, while sometimes can be very, very broken uh, or cause certain things to make better combinations uh, for min-maxing, it's not nearly as bad as trying to balance a whole new class. So we, I, I personally think it'll be more likely that we will see a new allied race on either side, or, or both sides, before we even hear rumblings uh, of a class or another class. I think there are just, there's what, 36 specs in the game right now or something like that. That's, that's a lot. And adding three more or even two more, that's 38, 39 specs to balance. And then what do you do? Is it a pure DPS class? Is it a DPS, uh, tank hybrid? Is it a DPS healing hybrid? Is it a healing, uh, a healing tanking hybrid? Um, it, there's just a lot of other questions. So, who but again, Matt pointed out if they have, have an idea that they like, they'll run with it. Who knows? We'll find out in time, though. Uh, our next question. Hello, watchers. Uh, I was wondering what classes, talents, and abilities need more love and wow. Who do you think is OP right now, and who do you think got nerfed or is nerfed down to the bottom of the barrel? Also, if you could create an ability talent for any class, what would it be? Thanks for all you do. Rickles, the Demon Hunter. I mean, I'm going to let Joe go first because I think my answer is so self-evident that it doesn't really need... People who know me I, know what I'm going to say, so... I mean, I can already feel the people listening at home getting ready for their shots for the drinking game that is Loader Talks About Sentry Totem again. Um, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't even call it a nerf. I want more totems again. I miss totems. And I think that those abilities that were tied to them being gone is it, it still hurts. Like I miss in burning crusade when I had 
an army of totems to balance and juggle and, and move around. I miss that gameplay. And it's totally purely selfish, 100%. Um, but they totems as cooldowns and only cooldowns doesn't feel right still to me. Um, before we talk about like OP or anything like that, do you want? Do you have an opinion on on talents or classes? I, I've always believed Sentry Totem should come back. I mean, I'm 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 the first person to have written an article about Sentry Totem on the old site. I I made you know I, I am totally down with the return of Sentry Totem. I think in general, Shaman Totem should be more important than they are. Mm-hmm. In terms of talents, uh, I honestly this isn't one I think is necessarily overpowered, but it's one I think should come back. Uh, gladiator stance, especially now that we don't really have like a, there's no warriors don't have any stances, and that's just weird to me. I miss stances warriors for years. I don't necessarily miss the stances we had, but I miss having stances. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, a, it was a big part of the warrior. Uh, it was a you know stance dancing. Yeah, you change stances to do different things. You had like. You know, Fury Warrior would go into Berserker stance. Uh, the, the you know Arms Warriors preferred battle stance. Tanking, you use defensive stance. I feel really strange about the fact that we don't have them anymore. Uh, in much the same way that it is like totem changes have kind of stolen a lot of the flavor from the Druid. I feel like the loss of stances has really changed Warriors, and I think as people play. The older games like like WoW Classic and Burning Crusade Classic, you're going to be seeing those stances, and and I think it's really hard to to relate to people how different it is now. Mm-hmm. Like just all your abilities are just there on the bar, and you just hit them whenever you want. There were abilities you could only use in certain stances. I mean, I get why they changed it because people would just macro everything, so they just macroed in. You hit a button, you'd change stances, use that ability, and change back. You know. Um, I don't think they macroed the change back. I think you, you would just macro jump into the stance and use the ability. Then you'd probably hit another button to use another ability, which would jack you back into your original stance. But regardless, it was still part of the class. And I feel like I'd like to see them bring that back in some fashion. Uh, I don't know how they should do it. I, I, I do think that gladiator stance is a good example of a kind of stance from a talent that would be useful because it lets people DPS with a shield and a weapon. And that's something I think would be really cool. Um, I find myself wondering if if abilities like Titan's Grip and Single-Minded Fury should be stances. Instead of, well, you know, Fury Warriors get this. Imagine if Titan's, if Titan's Grip was a stance. And you, like, you would switch into it, and now you could dual-wield two-hand weapons. Or, if you were an arms warrior you get something else. Maybe, like, I don't know. But for a, for a prop warrior, you'd go into Titan's Grip and you'd now use a two-handed weapon in the shield. Maybe the Arms Warriors would still get two two-handed weapons and it would just be different in terms of how they used them. But I honestly feel like you could do that kind of thing as stances. You probably and you, could. And you could make it, it feel distinct in a way that just right now it doesn't. Like, there's no choice involved. You know, the Titan's Grip is just something every Fury Warrior has. Single-Minded Fury is now something every Fury Fury Warrior has. There's no choice involved in it. Whereas, originally it was a talent. You had to pick it. And everyone did, because it was really good. But at the same time, you still had to pick it. 
And that's something I feel like we've lost a lot of in World of Warcraft over the years. So that's something I'm thinking about in terms of like, but in terms of current talents, honestly, none of the current talents really excite me all that much. Yeah. Um, I like Rampage quite a bit. I think Rampage is super fun, but it's an ability, not a, not a talent. In terms of as an ability, it's great. And I like a lot of the current Fury. Fury as a rotation is fun as heck. I, I still feel like it's underpowered, and I'll just say that, but it still feels nice. Like It, it, it feels good to do Fury. Like you, you, The combinations are good. The movements are good. I enjoy it, um, I, but it is weak. And arms is both weak and less inspiring in terms of how it feels. Arms need some flourishes, like big time. They need to. I'm not even saying buff it, although they does need to be buffed. Both arms and fury are not doing tremendously well. They're not even close to the top of the tier ranking. Uh, but arms is just boring comparatively. It's just you know keep hitting mortal strike and wait for something else. Uh, okay, slam hit slam now. Oh, overpower hit overpower now. Are they down to? execute range yet hit execute it's just it doesn't have the same kind of frenetic fun feeling that Art fury does and it shouldn't but it should have its own cool thing and it doesn't currently uh prod i like but it, it definitely also needs some buffing uh i just warriors right now just feel like they need to be buffed that's all it doesn't there's nothing really mechanically that needs to be fixed things just need to get better uh, that's all whereas other classes like like my Death Knight, I'm not sure what I have not really enjoyed on Holy this expansion. I've not liked it at all. Um, so, but I don't have a suggestion for what to do to change it. I haven't thought much about it. I've just played Blood and been happy with that. So, mm-hmm. I don't think I have anything else really to add to that one, unless you have anything else more you want to talk about. No, I think that was it. I mean, it would literally just be another five minutes of why they, they should give warriors nice things because I like warriors. I will point out that, like, looking at various tier rankings, like, I'm looking at the one on Wowhead right now because I wanted to, like, give people, like, Fury Warrior is not even listed. It's it's like a B plus. In a, it starts at S rank, A plus, A, A minus, B plus, B, B minus, and C. Fury is a is a B plus and it's at the bottom of the B pluses and arms warriors are literally C and they're at the bottom. They're below subtlety rogues. And that's, I mean, that's the way people, you know, everyone has different opinions. I think arms is better than that, but I do feel like warriors just flat out need to be a little stronger. It's just that simple. There's not a lot you can do mechanically to make them feel better, especially fury. Um, but both prot and arms need a little bit more flair. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, how to give it to them, but I do think they need it. And that's that's my my incredibly biased opinion because let's be honest, it's the class I love the most. It's the class I enjoy playing the most. So I would agree. Um, all right, the next question comes from Riptides. Question for a thing. After playing Dragon Age 2, it made me wonder if WoW could do an expansion that took place entirely within a single city. If you could choose any city in WoW, any planet slash plane of existence, what would you choose and how might that expansion play out? That's a really interesting question. And I think this is one of those those things where scale in the game is skewed to fit the mechanics of the game versus how the scale of the game or the world is presented in story and written accord, right? Like Stormwind is a massive sprawling capital city 
it's huge. It's tremendous. Ironforge is absolutely massive. It spans the entirety of the mountain that it is built into and deeper. Um, but yet when you go inside, we move around it relatively quickly because scaling is, is, is different. It's off, right? Like when they describe the park district in storm, when it's massive, absolutely massive. Now, if you were to take that core concept and apply it to some other things, they could do an entire expansion around the idea of a city. Um, much like, you know, Ravnica's the, the planet uh, that's entirely a city for, for magic and now D and D, uh, they could do something like that very easily. And they've kind of already established the parameters that they could pull it off, right? Go to Alduar and just look around. That place is massive. And I'm not just talking about like what we run through, because even at the time it is big, it is large, it is huge. But there's more to it. Like it was interesting for the time because it was one of the first times in a dungeon or a raid that you had such open expanse that you could see places you couldn't get to. You could see far off like areas that existed that were there, but you couldn't touch. And so they've already kind of got this concept baked into like we're going into these massive places, but we're relatively quickly going through a small section of it. Um, Halls of Origination. It's larger than what we actually experience when we're running through it. So let's say they wanted to do an expansion that takes place entirely in a city. They could. Maybe it's a lost Titan's facility that is a massive city that rivals Stormwind and Ironforge, that rivals Thunderbluff in its just sheer like scope of foot land footprint. They could do that, and it could be an entire expansion of us unpacking things and figuring out where we are, making allies within the city, um, and doing the whole you know labyrinth thing. And I think that would actually be a potentially cool concept that you could do something very fascinating with. I don't know if they ever will do that, um, but it's an interesting concept. You could probably... I mean, you could probably justify it a, a bunch of different ways, whether it's a dwarven city, a gnomish city. I mean, look at look at Mechagon. Mechagon is a massive, sprawling city that we see relatively little of. I... I think this would be a cool idea. I think they could absolutely do it. As far as how it would play out, that I don't know. It would. I would suspect that it would be something like we show up, we f- find our way into the city, we're strangers, we don't know our way around, we, we don't even know where we are, but we know that the city is all-encompassing, and we try to find our way through it, uh, making friends, making allies, learning what the city is like, uh, and piece by piece going through and unraveling whatever the mystery of the place is. Uh, they could 100% do something like that, and I think it would be cool. What about you? Well, I mean, I think we've seen, based on places like Suramar and then Boralus and uh, Dazaralor, we've seen that they can make pretty expansive cities. Mm-hmm. But this question asked which one I would use. Uh, it didn't ask which one is plausible or which one is likely to happen. It asked which one would I use. And the answer to that is... Darnassus, because Darnassus was on top of Teldrassil, and Teldrassil was like a freaking mile tall. And there was stuff in the tree that you could go down into. That we barely saw anything of. And I would love to see what 
that was. I would love to have this enormous, you know, Teldris, you'd have Darnassus as a zone, then you'd have the other boughs of the tree, like the, the other villages, would be another zone of their own around it. The city would literally be a zone within the zone. Um, so when you went to Darnassus, you'd, you'd go into the lar- to this large cityscape, and it was all made out of these what looked to be ruins that were brought up from the ocean or something. That's the other thing. I've never known where those buildings came from. Darnassus was built like 10, 15 years ago. And yet it had ruins on top of it. You know, because we've seen the way that Night Elf buildings looked when they were new. They were painted. We've seen the area around the Well of Eternity when Ashara was ruling it. Those buildings were painted. They were decorated. So the ones on top of Darnassus, either they made buildings that looked like their old buildings, but then didn't paint them for no particular reason that I understand. Possibly just because ooh, painting is bad because they did it. Uh, we don't want to be like those guys. But it just feels like, wh- where did this stuff come from? Where, what is this? Like, I'd love to really explore that city and, and have it be, especially if, I, if, if, if it was one of those situations where I have to fit it into the lore of, of Legion and Shadowlands, my fit-in would be that literally the city came back from the dead. That at the end of the Shadowlands, Alun returned the city and the tree to life. And as a result, now it's all weird and strange and like haunted and ghostly, and you've got to explore all that stuff and figure out what happened and, and all that stuff. I would be totally down for that. But I also think if we're going to do a city expansion, one of the things to consider is possibly just doing it for all cities. And this is where things start getting huge. But city, you know, zone you know, expansions generally have like five or six zones in them. Yeah. You know, they have more than one place to go. And the various capital cities throughout Azeroth, you could just do those. You know, if you return Undercity, that's six. That's actually eight, if because the Draenei and uh, Blood Elves have their own. The Draenei and Blood Elf cities are also much bigger than the previous ones, even with the revamps. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of potential here. Um, I would love it if they'd actually gotten the Exodar to take off, but they, I don't think they'll ever do that, unfortunately. So... Yeah, that, that will be... That's where I think it should go. Um, I'll be up front. I, 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 I can sit here and ramble on about, you know, having there be weird stuff in the tree and, and so forth. Honestly, too, I find myself wondering, like, one of the reasons that, like, Dragon Age could get away with it was because it was a single-player game. Yeah. I don't know that World of Warcraft would feel the same if it didn't have... It's like so. Instead of just doing one big ex- the expansion entirely set in a city, I would be much more likely to think about potentially making the expansion about that city, but not necessarily just always being in it. Like it's there's something to be said for Suramar, and I'm I'm not like the the raging Suramar fan that other people that that have worked on this site were, but I do think it's extremely well executed as Suramar dominates the zone of Suramar. Mm-hmm. The city of Suramar dominates his own. And it's big and expansive. You can go in and do stuff inside the city, but then you can do stuff around it. And that stuff is still within Suramar's field of influence. That is something I would think about when designing this. Uh, there's an old... We've talked about pen and paper a few times, so I'll mention this one. There's an old module called City State of the Invincible Overlord. And 
it's got its interesting quirks and some of the people behind it are not always the best people. Um, but one of the things I always liked about it was that it was a really expansive city for you to do stuff with. And I think like, or another example would be, uh, um, green Ronin games is Freeport. Yeah. Where they, you know, they here's imagine if you're doing an expansion set in a city, one of the things to think about is how does this, you know, finding stuff to do in the city that, that maybe takes you outside of the city. That, you know, okay, we need somebody to go do this. And then you find yourself on this mine somewhere in the middle of nowhere just because the, the resources of that mine are necessary for that city. I feel like you need to just not, not just stick somebody in the same place all the time. It'll get to feeling too samey. But letting a city be the dominant aspect of it. Yeah, I think to a degree we kind of have that in Shadowlands because Ouroboros is really important. But it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, I would agree. Not quite the uh, the same thing, but fairly close. Um, we do have a couple of questions from chat we can start going through. Okay. Uh, so, Zell the Canadian asks, here's a question for the podcast. It's been a long time since the last Overwatch cinematic. Two years since the Overwatch 2 at BlizzCon 2019 announcement, and coming up on three years since the McCree cinematic where we met Echo and Ash. What's up with that? Do you think we'll get a new one for the 20th? Um, snowing in Edmonton, Zell. That's not related to your question. I just thought you should know. It's snowing outside right now. I can see the snow on my window. It's snowing in the middle of May. May 18th. It is snowing. To answer your question, yeah, we're going to get some kind of cinematic. I'm just going to say it. I think we are going to get a cinematic. Okay. I would be really surprised if we didn't, like, straight up. We, we're overdue for one, and... I would be very surprised if one doesn't accompany maybe the announcement that's happening, right? Like they know what Overwatch fans expect. They absolutely know people are like dying to see one. There, there's going to be one. Yeah, uh, what it'll be about? No idea. But we'll get something. Sojourn. Oh, finally, Sojourn. Yeah, because it's a Canadian, and and it's snowing in Edmonton. So yeah. <laughs> Uh okay. <laughs> All right, we have uh, another one here. This one's from BMI55. What zone was Zolval's before he was sent to timeout in the mall? We've been uh, the mall. we've been speculating that it's been the mall the entire time. I think the mall wasn't always the mall. I think Joe and I have both said that in, in the past. Yeah. The mall used to be something else. Like the Shadowlands as might have used to be one whole coherent places, not just these separate places and that the destruction of the Maw created the separate Shadowlands, but we don't know. It could be a lot of things. But yeah. I definitely think it was the Maw. Yeah, and I think it was the Maw too. Like, whether or not it was uh, whether they were all connected a little more deeply beforehand or not, um, whatever well, the Maw was before it was the Obulet, yeah. What was that? The whole deal, whole deal with Corthia implies that there were a lot of places that might have been connected. No. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Autoluk. Do botany have souls? These are the the primals. Do they have souls? Oh, the botany. I thought you said literally botany. Like the botany. The is botany. A... Yeah. Okay. I don't know the answer to that question, but maybe. I mean, they they seem to be living things. They, the thing is, is that we know that the plants of Draenor were absorbing the spirit energy because it was everywhere and it wasn't being used up by a titan or anything. So, it feels like they, they do 
probably have souls because they are made of soul. If that makes any sense. It's actually like the spirit energy that should have been going to a Titan. There was no Titan there. So the spirit energy just kind of leaks out into the world. And, and it's one of the reasons the elementals were so much nicer on Draenor. Because while the world was savage and had lots of conflict on it, the elementals weren't fighting each other. They were all, yeah, I'm okay. How about you? Yeah, I'm okay. There's enough ener- There's enough spirit here for everybody. And so that's literally why the, the various plant primordials got as powerful as they were, because they were just absorbing all that spirit energy. And that's why Agrimar made Grand, because he looked at the world and said, if this keeps going, they're, gonna des- they're just going to devour the whole planet. They need something to, to prune them back. They need something to weed them out. That's how you know plants are kept in balance. You, they can't just grow everywhere all the time. So, yeah, I think they probably do. Yeah, I'm in the same camp. I think it's. I think it's a. I would take the bet that they do have souls, especially based off of the the lore and history of their birth and creation, uh, and the simple fact that like they seem to have a complex like psyche and personality like no two are the same so it it seems to be uh i would bank on it i would bank that they have souls uh and then we have one last question this one's from mithriac uh what about further class specializations like dnd prestige classes i think matt and i have talked about this before in the past a few times it would be a really neat idea and I don't know how they would execute it properly, but I think instead of having it be a prestige class in terms of D&D, where it gives you maybe extra skills or skills that are uh, labeled on top of everything, maybe instead it gives you cosmetic appearances and allows you to essentially function the same with just a different coat of paint. Um, yeah, in the past, things like Mountain Kings. Mm-hmm. You know, you could basically have dwarves would have mountain kings, uh, Torin would have like you know something else, uh, like totem warrior or something, and you don't actually have to change anything. Like maybe they're both arms warriors, but they're different in terms of their you know manifestation of those abilities. Uh, that's uh, spellbreakers for blood elves. You could have that be both paladins and warriors. Uh, they use a shield and two hander, but they have a thematic thing, and you could you could have there be paladin spellbreakers and, and warrior spellbreakers or what have you that just get to use the special animations and special names for their moves. Uh, you know, warlocks, necromancers, that's something I wrote a post about years ago, and I still think it would work. Yeah, and I think it would be an interesting way to, to sort of accomplish the same goal uh, than I think, you know, just, again, adding further specialization mechanically. And it's one that I kind of hope that they explore. I like the idea of unlocking uh, a cosmetic set or a cosmetic class. I think that's a really neat idea. And I don't think it's one any other game really does right now where you can just unlock the ability to look and have animations based off of another class that doesn't have any mechanical difference like spell or ability wise, except for how it looks. I think that's a really neat thing. Um, and maybe they'll look at it. Maybe, maybe they're listening right now and maybe they'll think it's a great idea, even though we've talked about it a bunch. Uh, but yeah, we can hope, <laughs> uh, but that's going to do our questions there. Is there anything else you want to add, Matt? 
everyone. It's it's about time for the show to be over. We managed to stretch these four questions out thanks to the help of the live audience who gave us more questions. Thanks, guys. Because the live audience rocks. Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast for the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, again, guys, you know, seriously, it's really helpful if you send in some questions. You can send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, the subject line podcast at blizzardwatch. If you want to use an email or if you want to use our Discord server, you can go ahead and go to our patron Q and podcast questions channel if you're a patron and we look at those first. Or you can go to our Q questions channel. Uh, we look at those second, but uh, they haven't had a question in there in like three weeks at this point. So seriously, if you have a question, it's got a decent shot of getting in there. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.